Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined, as always, by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How is your Monday? Pretty great. Uh, it's coming close to my vacation time. Uh, I'm going to Disney this week, so I'm pretty excited about it. I, so I know some people that's that's definitely not a, an exciting thing to think about, but uh, for me and my family, it, it is. So Sid, Sid and I are looking forward to it. And that is this, so today's Monday, so it's Friday when we leave. I'm getting, I'm already getting that, even if it's not Disney, but it's good. When you go on vacation, you always have that. It's almost here. It's almost here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. You probably don't understand that, Dennis, because you live perpetual life now, always on the road. So it's not like, you know. I mean, that's <laughs> not really true, though. I have finally, um, even though, uh, when was Gen Con? That, was it August? Later, later than August? that. September, September, October, because I know it was like you try September. September sounds right. Yeah. Anyway, since uh, a week and a half, two weeks before Gen Con, whenever that was, even though since then I have been living in a camper, mm-hmm. um, aside from the Thanksgiving holiday when I was couch surfing, so to speak, with family. Um. I have so far only uh, stayed in like backyards um, and and driveways mm-hmm. um, until until now. Since as of last night, um, I'm in Tennessee and I'm at an R- I'm at a campground, an RV park. It does not sound south enough. It's not really. Uh, it was up in the 50s today, and right now I think it's it's down into the mid 30s. That that is that is definitely if you're gonna go if you're gonna drive somewhere and go south, go south. <laughs> right, right. Well, I went uh, I went south from Bedford about five and a half hours um, to get here. Uh, that's because there's not a good road that comes this way, um, a a good interstate, I should say. Yeah. Um, I spent a little bit of time on I-65 and another, uh, I don't know, one of the interstates that goes east to west, and I had to go through Nashville, Tennessee. I'm about an hour, hour and a half south and a little bit west of Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Um, And Nashville was the only city I went through, thankfully, and I would have avoided it if I could have because it's... Driving in a city is stressful. It's even more stressful pulling a trailer. I bet. I um, bet. Yeah, just just visibility and space and like knowing how to change lanes and and all that kind of stuff. And I hit a little bit of construction traffic somewhere. I think that must have been just coming into Nashville on the north. Side. Where were you during the, the to date when the shows? And what were you do during the? There was tornadoes in Kentucky. So it was kind of in between there. The big storms, the big storms. So um, my plan was to make that drive on Saturday, uh, day before yesterday, um, December the 11th. And the night before, it was thunderstorming and very windy. Every once in a while, my my camper would, would rock a little bit. And I was like, what is going on? And I pulled out my phone and, and looked on the weather app, and it said, tornado watch and i'm like okay well that's just a watch it's not a warning so that's okay and i'm like if it gets bad i can go in the house there at the bedford property except 
the house is a mobile home. So it's not really like if a tornado comes through, it's it's not that much more secure than a camper. But it is larger and heavier, even though neither are really like bolted down, as it yeah. were. Um, but that wasn't necessary. I did fall asleep eventually, and I didn't see any like downed trees or anything uh, uh, Saturday morning. Um, but there was there was still a high wind advisory until like noon, and I knew that the trip was going to take like five and a half hours, and I didn't want to wait for the wind to die down and then be getting here in the middle of the mm-hmm. night. Um, and so I postponed. I went into town and got some supplies and tools and things because I know where everything is in Bedford. Not well. I know what is available in Bedford, and I didn't know what was going to be available down here. And I was like, I'll just do. I'll make a shopping day and chill out and go, and you know, make Sunday right. my travel day. And I still didn't get on the road until about noon. By the time I got everything set up and the camper has been sitting in Bedford for feels like almost a month. Um, and so just get every, getting everything packed up and loaded up and hooked up. And then the way that I parked, I had to like move it around in the mud and, and all that stuff. My Jeep has an active four wheel drive mode. So that wasn't hard. It just kind of made a mess. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, made the, made the drive all the way down here. I got here at about six. Um, this part of Tennessee is in central time, even though I didn't really go, uh, very far West. And so I went from, you know, the far Western edge of Eastern time to the far Eastern edge of Western time. (laughs) Sure that I got all those words right there. Northern time. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot of complicated information to say that it gets dark at about five here right yeah yeah maybe maybe like five thirty. so i got here and it felt like it felt like it was the middle of the night but it was really like quarter after six i really dislike this time of year because of that and so, <laughs> so i was terrible. like i'm like i'm like trying to find a spot and i'm looking at the map and i keep like stopping and turning on the light in my car to look at the map and i see you know big like in rv parks people park year round and there's a nice park, so people have, like, they have literal decks and, like, big shelters. Because uh, they don't move their rigs in and out. Like, they park them here and then leave them here all year. It's like their their uh, summer cabin or whatever. Right. And, yeah. And so I found a spot, and I was like, how much setup should I do? Should I, like, because some of the stuff that I have to do to, like, unhitch and put the stabilizer jacks down and stuff is a little noisy. I'm like, it's kind of noisy. And then I look, I'm like, it's only 6.30. Like, I can make a little noise if there's anybody even here. Like, they're still awake. It's not midnight. But it was so dark that it kind of felt that way. I bet. Um, But anyway, I'm here. I'm staying here for four days. And then I'm going to go on further south to Alabama for a little while. And then Alabama back. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's that's a a callback from... Uh, Forrest Gump, They're like Alabama. Oh, Greenbow, Greenbow, Greenbow Alabama. Alabama. 
I was like, what reference? I thought you were referencing the song because I was looking at the map to where the park that I want to go is, and I could see the town of Muscle Shoals. Muscle Shoals. Like, oh, that's in in the, the uh, I forget how the line goes. Mus- Muscle Shoals. They they. Uh, man, I'm not gonna remember the lyric anyway from the song "Sweet Home Alabama." <laughs> Um, I just keep thinking of the Amish parody of that song, and I'm like, that's not the right. So, uh, so you're not going to make it all the way to Texas? I know you were talking about trying Texas out. Not this, not this time, because um, I want to be home for Christmas. Um, it's the last Christmas up at the farm, so um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on the logistics. I will probably try and park the camper somewhere um, down here rather than rather than haul it all the way home. Yeah. And just and just drive the rest. Maybe stop in in Bloomington and at my sister's place, um, which is not far from here. It's like maybe forty minutes from here um, in Tennessee, and then come back down and probably from there go on out to uh, out to Texas, yeah. where it'll hopefully be warm. See, told you, you're on vacation all the time. Yep, kind of hidden everywhere. Well. That's uh how how are you liking your 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 uh world down there in Tennessee? Is it nice little park parking well, only, spot area? Yeah, I mean I've only been here a day. It's it's pretty quiet because it is, you know, winter. A lot of people have Christmas decorations up, which is kind of funny. Um but uh yeah, it's been nice. N- uh nice to finally be out somewhere that's not one of my family's properties or, <laughs> right you know it's li- living in your driveway yeah you you, you um, uh it's kind of, it's your own space your own place and nice yeah well the uh uh unfortunately we i only get a little bit of time for for that thing so we're th- this year's little trip is like a biannual trip we go there it's it, mm-hmm. i think i might mention since Sid and i didn't go we have you know, there, there are, we, we are Disney, definitely Disney people, but we are far from like what Disney people, there are real crazy Disney people. Like people who live there, like go every day and they're Disney bloggers and that's their, and mm. they're, you know, they have YouTube channels and every single day they're in Walt Disney World to some extent. So uh, mm. we're nowhere near like that, but we, we've gone enough times that, it's not just necessarily about oh we have to go ride our ride or see this thing because we've we've seen them and we've ridden them multiple times and, and things like that which sure, which we're sure. going to do but it's a lot about being there in the in the space and enjoying all of the uniqueness of of the park and the experience that they have there um, and we're doing you know making other little plans like scavenger hunts type stuff you can find scavenger mm. hunts and things like so as we're going through the park we're like oh around here there's supposed to be a secret. Uh, Chip and Dale thing. Like, can we find? Oh, look, it's right there. I never noticed that before. Stuff like that. Um, it's like after you. Uh, it's like after you beat a video game, you're trying to go around in hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's, I like that analogy. Sydney liked that one. I'll use that one. Um, one thing that I'm doing this year, which is going to be, it's going to be interesting. We're doing two things. One is, uh, for those that don't know, Epcot has half of Epcot is this called the. Um, World Showcase is what it's called, and Epcot is kind of centered around a big lake, and and the top you know, half of the lake as you walk around it is um, these their countries, and they have 
you go in there and it's like shops and uh, cultural centers. I've and heard about that. Yeah. yeah. So and there's different countries. You're like so there's a Japan, and you see a lot about the cultural stuff, and you read and learn about kind of like museum meets shops meets restaurants, cultural experiences, things like that. There's a lot to it there. Every everyone who who works there, all the shopkeeps or uh, museum people or whatever, they they're from there. They they live there and they they're over here for the year on Disney passes or something like that. Um, so, okay. So, sure. so they like you know they're over here and they're speaking German or whatever. But anyway, point of that is that something that's Epcot's one of the few places that you can get alcoholic drinks um, uh, right, in there, right. and they have um, a, a thing called drinking around the world. That some people do. Yeah, my my sister did that. She went to to Disney World a year or two ago, and that's where I I heard. About oh, nice! It, I've only been to I've only been to the Anaheim Park. I, I I have now. If I if I make it down to Florida this winter, I might I might consider it. I know that um, that's a pretty cool one to go as an adult. Right. That's a cool park to go to. I think right in the middle of your story. I I follow a, a another solo. Uh, nomad youtuber who is a big disney guy mm. and he collects like mickey mouse stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right and antiques which is a kind of i do a little bit of stuff like that but it's it's a little bit weird for him because he's a nomad like he does have a big class a rv which is huge for one person yeah. but he has like a he has like a shop uh you know like a base uh, place where he keeps all his like stuff. he's got arcade okay. machines right. and camel signs and stuff and that's, um, we, i mean i still collect shot glasses which i'm like that's that's well, as far are, as those i want to small go. they take up a minimal amount of space yeah yeah i bought a i bought a little um like one of those plastic things you put tools in or or like beads and crafty stuff mm-hmm. right with the little dividers because the the containers are or the sections are just big enough to to hold shot glasses like they'll still rattle around in there but i i don't think they'll break like shot glasses are pretty heavy um and i I was already doing that for about the past 10 years or so and i was like should i switch to something else to collect like magnets or something that makes more sense in a camper and I'm like, you know, at some point, I don't plan on doing this forever. Mm-hmm. And even if I do it for a long time, I'll still want to have like a garage and maybe a like a little shop or or you know, little like garage with an apartment behind it or something. And I'm like, I could display shot glasses in an office. Like that's not a huge. Yeah. It's not like collecting pinball machines or something where I'm like. Well, I've got one. I guess it's going to sit in the back of my Jeep until I'm back home next spring or whatever. Right, sure. Anyway, you were talking about uh, drinks around the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the I'm, I've kind of always wanted to do that, but I've always gone with kids. And, you know, sure, sure. Uh, I, I've said several times before that the best beer I've ever had was a, was a Bud Light in Epcot. Um, and and that's ter- it, it sounds terrible to say, but, like, when you've been with, like, two kids and exhausting oh, oh, sure. hot heat yeah. for I, days and you're just beat. And then all of a sudden it's, it's sunset I and you're like, you're Oh saying. my God, I got a ice cold $10 Bud Light. It was the best thing I'd ever drank in a long time. Um, I don't know if it's $10, but it was, it was expensive. And, um, sure. But, I, but I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I think I'm going to do that this year and, and, uh, you know, ha- have a drink in every pavilion. And they're, they're, they're like 
you know, uh, I don't say cultural drinks. That's the word. Like they're, they're the war, like Japan, it's a Japanese drink, right? They they, they have yeah, sake. They have uh, old sake area. Geographic, maybe. Is yeah. So you can go and get these kind of things. And they're in um in Great Britain, they've got a pub called the Royal Crown, and they've got a lot of um, Great British, Great Britain, England, Scotland ales and IPAs and things like that. Uh, sure. So you know, I, I've never, again never had that. So I'm I'm looking forward to do that. And I this last week, like the weekend, or actually it was like last Thursday, I decided to look up the site to you know what to get recommendations on. Oh, you're going to Canada, get this one at this stall, right? They always have this a car out front of this place, and you can get this, right? So it's like okay, I'm gonna write all, mm-hmm. that all down. And then as I look at it, I'm like, oh man, I am going to be wasted halfway <laughs> through this thing. Like they they are no right, joke right. drinks. Like yeah. Holy cow! So I've got a Sydney knows that, that that I'm going, and and I'm gonna we're gonna make sure that I I pace myself and we take our things. Coupled with that, we're gonna do eat around the world, which is something obviously Sydney can do. Um, sure, sure. And where we're gonna get something to eat at each place that's you know uh, a cultural thing in, in Morocco, get some kind of thing from Marrakesh Bazaar, and and eat that kind of stuff. So you know it'll be a, a slow sipping drink while eating some interesting foods and I'm that's I'm, nice. I'm really really excited about silly for go to Disney for that but that, that's really fun and really and really neat uh I just learned today that it's going to be nearly 90 degrees there which I am not necessarily looking forward to um this weekend yeah I know Man, 87 high on a Saturday not 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 that far but i should be closer to there yeah no kidding here i should be up in the panhandle I was, I, 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 you know we, we've gone to disney around this time multiple times and it during the day can get like 72 74 it's like perfect right it's 56 in the morning sure. and yeah. and 74 in the day i'm like that that's just wonderful weather to have a light jacket and tight around but now it's going to be 90 i'm going to have to pull out shorts and uh, you know <laughs> in the butt so anyway uh yeah, I, yeah. I don't even know how to, how to how to pack, but that's my that's my coming week. I am a little excited about that and ha- having fun. And in a crazy place with thousands of people like Disney, um, it is for an extrovert like myself an actually very relaxing, stress relieving experience. And that is total mm-hmm. counterintuitive to a lot of people. But being able to sit in a comfortable spot that I feel good in, and just having people people watch, you know, sit down and things and. Have you yeah. ever, you probably have not, but have you ever seen, um, what's it called? Fort Wilderness? That sounds familiar. RV park. So Disney World has an oh, RV yeah, park. Oh, yeah, yes. I, Fort Wilderness. I've not yeah. seen it, but yes, I know, yes. Yeah, and so I watched um, this YouTuber. I'll put a link to his channel because he's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, our buddy Trotsky told me about him. His, his channel's called Nomadic Fanatic. Uh, but he he was there around Halloween. And so he's walking around and it's this gorgeous RV park, with like big tall pine trees or something. They probably, wow. you know, Disney probably planted them there. Sure, or something. Of, of course they did. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> like just completely Disney fied and, and artificial, but, um, they've got like wild turkeys running around big, like spaced out sites. Everybody's got big, like inflated, pumpkins and stuff their halloween decorations but he's walking around and i'm like this looks like a really nice park and, <laughs> it you know, sounds like a nice park how much uh how much he loves disney and it's it's his happy place to go there and he did the he did the big balloon 
the hot air balloon thing. Oh yeah. And yeah. uh I don't know. Oh my oh my goodness. A bunch I, of as we're talking, I, I did I did the Googles for this the Google Street Map for Fort Wilderness. Yeah, this looks like a great camp area. I want to go here. Like beautiful log cabins yeah. and Oh, it's sick. Okay, that's super cool. I I, I knew about because there's signs and everything, but I've I've never actually looked at it. But wow, I gotta look into this next time because they've also it looks like they've got cabins and cabins you know type stuff and you put mm, your car in yeah. here. I I think he had to. I don't know if he had to, but like he took a ferry across to Magic Kingdom yeah, or yeah, that's what, that's what you usually do. Yeah, from the transportation. Center. I don't know what. I don't know what. Uh, Maybe that's what I, I remember about it is because it's right by the transportation center where that ferry is. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I see. It, 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 as I go through here, it looks like it's uh, like you said, Disneyfied, and that everything is like very curated, and the roads are clean, and mm-hmm. there's sidewalks, and there's concrete drive-ins up to the things. You know, not not like run-down, beat-up concrete things where I go camping at, but really right. nicely maintained things. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm sure it's a it's a very expensive RV park, probably. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'm I'm super looking forward to that one. It's going to be it, it'll be a good time, and and we'll have that stuff. I'm doing another thing. We're doing is I'm I'm flying in very early in the morning, and we're going to fly out very late, so that the bookend days we're going to go like instead of like into the parks, we're going to go around to the different hotels, and because the hotels, just like you said, Fort Wilderness their experience is kind of in themselves. Um, I see. And there's like this, we always see this beautiful hotel when we go across like the ferry or, or the monorail, it's called the Grand Floridian. And it just looks like an elegant palace. Um, oh, I've heard yeah, of it. And I could never yeah. like afford to go to that place. Um, right. And I've seen them even on the Disney Plus channel where they show, you know, people going through it and stuff. And, but they have restaurants in there. You just go there and get breakfast and things. Um, so, I, you know, we may take a, the train over there and, walk around and see it. Another one is the animal kingdom lodge where you can just go to a normal breakfast in the cafeteria and they have, it's the wall is open so that the giraffes are fed there and they walk all next to your uh, thing and eat out of the troughs next to your table. The giraffes do. Okay. So I was like, I want to go do that kind of stuff. Um, that sounds cool. Yeah, it does. Sydney, Sydney's trying to convince me to, um, spend two and a half hours of that time to go watch, um, Sp- the new Spider-Man movie that's there. And I'm like, man, I can do that here. And <laughs> I don't know if I want yeah, yeah. to. Yeah. I mean, she, she's super excited about it. So there, there are no giraffes in Bloomington. What there are, <laughs> exactly. are movie theaters. They're not great movie theaters, but she's not wrong that like yeah. going to the Disney mo- movie theater is pretty cool. But once you're in there, it's just like, if you're here, watching. it's still just a movie. And there's, there's an IMAX up in like Greenwood. Yeah. It's like 40 minutes away. Exactly. It's, it's yeah, it's just as good. Uh, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, if, if we've done things and we're, and we're good, I, I don't foresee it, but uh, you know, also it's, it's her vacation too. So if she really is excited about true, it, maybe true. we'll go see. Yeah. I, I had a moment when, as I mentioned uh, Saturday with the storms, I, I stayed up in Bedford another night and I was like, well, maybe I'll go to a movie. Maybe I'll get some food and go to a movie. Yeah you know, uh, uh, Saturday night and I got online and I looked and I'm like, oh, there are no movies that I want to see. I mean, I guess that's been true, right? Yeah, like, no, I, I feel you. just starting to, to pick back up with movies, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's like Spider-Man is coming out Thursday mm-hmm. and then 
something else that I was kind of like maybe on the fence about, but that's still like it, that's not out until next week. Yeah. And I'm like, well, never mind, I guess. Yeah, we, we had kind of this all goes together when we were talking about the storms earlier. We had storms come through here like a lot of most people in America did. And my house was without power for three days. And oh, right, that right. was a pain in the butt. Um, so we and it's get, yeah. it got cold. You know, it was below freezing. Um, mm-hmm. So we, that first night and they kept doing like every four hour increments. They'd be like, power's going to be on by, it expects to be on by noon. And then it gets to noon and right, right before noon says, power expects to be on at four o'clock. Oh, okay. And at 345, it says power expected to be on at 830. So we didn't really know what was, you know, mm-hmm. when it is. And, and it got sure. to be late. Uh, it got to be in the evening. Power was off at the house and Sid, Sid said, we should watch a movie. And I said, that's a great idea. We can go watch a movie and it'll be over by 1030 ish. And, uh, that power should be on by then. Of course it said it wasn't until two days later. Um, but the, um, we decided to go to the movie, the movies on one of those nights and had that exact same experience that you did. It's like, well, we've seen the things we want to see and there's not a whole lot that's really interesting out. We were going right. to watch the Eternals again, but we just happened to miss that one by like 15 minutes. Um, so we decided to watch. Oh, yeah. yeah we decided to go watch. I think Dune. I. Okay. Do you start doing again? Yeah. I. Yeah. Um, what did you just say? Eternals. I was kind of. I, I, I considered it for a minute, mm-hmm. but it's kind of long. Yeah. And our friends were kind of meh about it. <laughs> and I was like, eh. Yeah, it was fine. I probably I enjoyed not. it. It's a, it's a Marvel movie. I mean, right. yeah, not like a Avengers movie, but it's a Marvel movie. You know what you're going to get. Um, yeah. The Dune was, I think Dune was even better the second time around. I, I, I like, I, in, I don't say like, I enjoyed the old Dune show, but it was always okay. like, I did that thing once and then that's, I don't want to do it again. Right. You know, then mm. every like 10 years sure, I might sure. go back and see like, I'll, I'll watch this again and actually see if I understand more of it. And then like, oof, I made it through halfway. You never, you never do. Right. Um, but this one, um, I watched it on, you know, on the theaters and really enjoyed it. And we can go back to our other shows and, and re- listen to my review of that. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I, I also didn't really have a lot of um, eagerness to watch it at home because it's on HBO. Um because it's just, it's just not the same. It's, I mean, most of that, as we've talked, most of that movie is the experience of feeling that big presence and the sound and the music and the, and the big screen. Um, so it, every time I kind of wanted to pop it back in, it was like, uh, so when we went and watched it, this is what I'm trying to get at. When we went and watched it a second time, I really, really enjoyed it and really got a lot more out of it. Not just the, the huge cinema, you know, experience. I got like, I could see foreshadowing and I could sh- see story moments happening and, and know what they're talking about, know what the Bene Gesserit sisters talking about and why she's there. And then I picked up on all the little comments about the emperor and all his political moves. I'm like, Oh, it, now I'm able to understand this movie. Not that I didn't have a problem understanding it before, but it was, it enhanced it, you know, and I was happy that I watched it a second time. And same with Sydney. We had more conversations afterwards about the political intrigue parts of it. Um, yeah, that's like, um, it's probably a little bit comparing your first and second watch are a little bit like comparing your and my experience watching wheel of time. 
mm-hmm. where you're watching and you're like, huh, what's that? Okay, so that's like that. Where I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Her, interesting. Hmm, <laughs> they're going to do that this way. Like, because I, you know, and uh, like I've said before, you know, you you go online on YouTube or especially Reddit and you look for information about this book series. And there are people with so much more information than I have. It's like the time we were all talking and Fox or or somebody asked if I considered myself a Trekkie. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I really like Star Trek, but a Trekkie is like somebody who can name all 79 original series episodes (laughs) and their plots. Like, I'm not that guy. Um, Sure. But and and, you know, with the Wheel of Time, same same kind of deal. I'm curious this this conversation about like what the what the experience is because it's I don't like I don't like the idea of a movie that's only worth seeing in the theater. Like I get it, mm-hmm. I understand all of the reasoning behind it, but I'm like that's a ephemeral thing, yeah. and that's yeah. fine yeah. too. Like life is full of things like that, yeah. right? Like I was at a Cake concert once, and uh, you know John McRae gave a little sort of not really lecture but kind of like half joking lecture to all the people like photographing and and videoing the show and he said he said this moment exists whether you post it on facebook or not yeah basically saying like while you're trying to capture this moment you're not experiencing it right you're not really experiencing it and i was like i was like man that's a good quote i should put that on twitter yeah no but yeah uh, <laughs> yeah well, so um, people like and, the, and so take cameras, and, and so that's fine. Things, but yeah. of course, you know, people so often like things that are in genre, people can't help but compare, right? Like Harry Potter to Lord of the Rings, even though they're very different. Uh, Lord of the Rings to Game of Thrones, even though they're very different. Both Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones to the Wheel of Time, even though all three are very different. Um, same thing with Dune, very different from Lord of the Rings, but people can't help but draw the comparison because it's a big epic story right. adapted from a book. Um, and I know that I still can and have watched uh, Lord of the Rings on smaller screens. I don't think I've ever watched it on my phone, but I've watched it on, you know, a 50 inch TV, right? which is not the theater. And it's not, you know, I can, I can still remember you know, almost 20 years ago, watching the Rohirrim come over the rise at Pelennor Fields mm-hmm. and be like, have, you know, chills over my whole body <laughs> and just like the experience. And I still get a version of that when I watch it at home. Right. But it's not the same. And so I wonder, I would like to, if presented with the opportunity... I would like to watch those movies in a theater again. I know uh-huh. that sometimes the the downtown indie theater shows them during Gen Con, which is always a tough sell. Um, but there have to be similar, like, once a year, some theater somewhere, like an Alamo Draft House or, or something like that, uh, uh, does that. Well, we were, we were very, very fortunate during this, um, or at least some of us cinephiles were, were really fortunate during the 2020 time that some theaters still did show things like that big movies and the old movies on the big screen that you could watch again. Um, mm. Like I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know? In, oh, that's in, right. Yeah. I was birthday. there. Yeah. 
I was there for that. Right. And, and, and to be able to see that saw... in a theater is different, you know? Right. I mean, granted, it's not as different as a newer movie because it's still like really kind of what we consider nowadays poor quality video on a big screen. But it is it is a different kind of experience. I saw... Yeah, and if the if the effects were made for inferior... I don't want to say inferior because like the original 50 millimeter yeah. like film literal film in a reel was like a thing. Yeah. But there are probably cases depending on what it is and what medium it was made for where you're like, Oh, like I always say about wonder woman 84, like seeing this on a big screen where I can pick out all the details actually makes it worse. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. I, I, I will say the, the the exception to that can be as if it's like remastered and remade. I had the opportunity sure. to watch um, the original Star Wars trilogy um, in IMAX when it was when they did the the remasters. Yeah, I remember talking about Empire. Yeah, and and it was it was like you're saying was it really was a whole different experience. And I've watched that movie hundreds and hundreds of times by that time, and then to go watch it and see the pillowcases or the pillows store to the top of the millennium falcon because i'd never noticed it It was just that big and that crisp and that clear and seeing the little the little rust spots on the arms of the the old you know the millennium falcon stuff and how old it is and you could see every little detail type stuff was just a mm-hmm. whole different kind of experience and i loved it i was never able to see that so you're right being able to it's it's cool to even the idea that you could go back and we're we missed out on watching some of these shows in that experience um and I just named you're talking about movies, the the special editions in the 90s. I want to say it was 90s. Yeah, I want to say it was the 90s up in Indianapolis. Not, not, and I'm not saying that those were like the best of the best, but they're they're still like Star Wars, right? They were still the original. Yeah, I mean, stuff. I mean, fortunately, that experience taught uh, teams and studios, whatever, doing remasters moving forward to, you know, uh, monkey with the code. <laughs> To not, yeah, to not, to not mess with it, to just like clean everything up, maybe redo like they did with, with Star Trek on Netflix, um, you know, redo everything, all the like exterior ship shots mm-hmm. so that they're, they look the way that modern special sci-fi special effects look, but not like, don't fill the frame with a bunch of banthas and you, all right, that stuff. You don't have to do yeah. that, right? Don't add new scenes that were deleted before. Like leave, leave that stuff alone. All right. Um, well, we we um, we and 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 also the the other thing I wanted to say is in that time because I saw those two. I remember waiting. Yeah. Uh, we got them about a month after everybody else because of the small town theater. Mm. But um, it was like, oh, here's a chance because obviously I'm too young to have seen Star Wars originally, and. Um, maybe not all of them i probably could have seen jedi or, sure yeah or empire i would have been like two or three yeah. so not not that one but um you know that that whole like theater experience plus at the time like we didn't even i don't i don't think most people even had dvds no it can't be because i remember when we started getting like when people had dvds dvd players like the movie that I would get to like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna get this in a DVD. It'll be <laughs> great. It'll look so the picture will be so clean. So clean, right, yeah. And and that movie was The Matrix. 
right? Mm-hmm. So that that was early two thousands. So in the nineties, when those uh, when those Star Wars remasters came out, all we had were VHS. Yeah, like yeah. M- maybe you could buy Star Wars. Yeah, but most people probably had it like recorded off TV. Sure, on a VHS. So yeah, even a you know seeing the remaster in theater was like night and day now we've got you know you watch dvds now and you're like oh this is kind of it's a little bit blurry oh like it's not that 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 whole experience i just yesterday had a thing of i've i have my newer tv upstairs and i've got my old tv downstairs that i had oh it's it's it looks it's a big tv and it's nice mm-hmm. it's this projection one it's, you've seen it's one down, that i've got downstairs from where they, my classic yeah, arcade yeah, yeah. things um and, but it's a projection and you know rear oh, yeah. projection thing and I switched it because I'm Shelly's moving in and I want to have downstairs to have the PlayStation 5, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, I moved it downstairs. And now my main TV upstairs is that old one that's 20 years old. And I turned mm. it on last night to watch TV. And and I just never realized the different clarity in picture. And now I can't watch it without thinking that it's blurry or that it's sure, not yeah, as crisp yeah, and yeah. clear. And I, and I never... You know, it's, it's it's been degrees over time. Yeah, you're mentioning the VHS, like, you know, there were big leaps. And I think you're right. I think DVD was a big leap, you know, being a digital kind of thing as opposed to uh, analog cassette tapes with VHS. Um, yeah, well, it's not going to wear out every time yeah. you play it. It's not going to get the weird, like, garbled scan lines at the scene you watch over and over. Right, right. Whatever. Plus all the bonus features. You're like, oh, but first of all, you can jump. There's no rewind or anything. <laughs> and then and then there's all this extra content on here. Right. Oh, yeah. All the, they tried to. Right. We talked about that at my work the other day. When we were talking about user experiences and interfaces, how mm-hmm. back in, back when DVDs first came out, the, the designers tried to overload the beginning load up of the menu screen or that you have like little <laughs> yeah, trailers yeah. spinning around and then every little button would be parts of Spider-Man's costume. And you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> it's awful. It would, it would play a bunch of music. There used to be a website and for all I know, it still exists, but it was like, you fell asleep watching a movie.com or something like that. <laughs> and it would just be like the DVD menus from a handful of movies that you could go and it would just play, you know, some clips and a little bit of music from the X Men movie, like on a loop, yeah. Because right? that's how the menus. Oh right, yes, yes, right. And you're like, uh, how obnoxious was this? I I had that that DVD of the X Men one where it was just that that loop and it's, yeah, it's very obnoxious. Um, so so wow, th- there was a little bit of a tangent there, saying say, that that Dune was. I, I like your comment of. Oh yeah, that, Dune. That it's an, I couldn't remember where we. No, that it was an expe- that's on. experience, and that's a really thoughtful thing. It's like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about it being, you know, you can't experience it the same. Sure, we can watch it, but it's not the same way. Um, I feel on one hand a little cheated because if I miss it, then I won't be able to ever ever experience it. But on the other hand, that's it's kind of the same thing about like craft beer, right? Um, or anything that you go to a place and like, and they only, or a menu at a restaurant, uh, at a high end chef restaurant, right? They make the thing. Oh, I see. Okay. I wondered where you were going with this craft beer. Analogy. Yeah. It's like, it, cause they make a I thing or they'll make I a small you. batch and it's wonderful yeah, and you yeah, like yeah. it, but they don't make it again. Right. Um, right. Or, and, and you enjoy it and savor the gourmet meal that you have, but it's not part of his regular menu or they don't have a regular menu, you know? 
Sure. Uh, we've got a place in town called Le, Pe- Le Petit Cafe, and it's a French lady and her husband. And they make, every week, they make a menu based on what they want to make, right? It's just... Yeah, what ingredients they have and so Yeah, and, and what they feel like. And it's great because you just ex- have an experience. But you can't say, go there and have the, right? Because Sure, not, sure. But, uh, and I, I guess this thing is like that, right? I guess it's like that where it's not the same as other movie experiences where you can go listen to that story and see that thing. Uh, and maybe maybe Dune is one of those because like I said, I don't, maybe I'll try to watch it on the, the small screen and see if it's, you know, still pretty good. Uh, but that was a lot to say that I did enjoy. I did enjoy Dune the second viewing in the theater though, of course. Um, hmm. And I'm still not motivated to watch it on the small screen. But uh, it's something I did note uh, that um, other people have said before, and I really kind of tossed it off as not a big deal, was that it felt even longer. Like, I actually knew that it was a longer movie and was prepared and was fine with that. And I like longer movies. But going through the second time, it even felt longer. I don't know if I I don't know if Lord of the Rings feels long every time I watch it. I kind of just it's the journey I'm always taking. Um, But the second time watching Dune, it felt like there's a lot of exposition here. There's a whole lot of explaining the world. There's just a whole bunch of, of building the world. And if you already know that you're not progressing the story, you're talking about yeah. the world, you know, and there's a lot of that. Yeah. That's, that's hard. Cause you, you've got to do that somehow, but how, how do you do it is the real, is the real challenge, the real question, which is kind of, um, kind of how leading into the wheel of time thing. It's that uh, I, as a non book reader, I often, in six episodes through now, I often feel like I'm lost and not because of the story. I'm following the story. I'm with you. I'm with the main threads, what's happening here, but there's just so much that I don't understand of the world. And it feels like, well, they probably need some Dune time here. Like they need to put a lot more time, a whole episode on, uh, the, 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 which I don't want to call them, which are they, which call them, which ladies? Some people call them, which ladies, right? Like the, the magic ladies, <laughs> the Aes Sedai. Aes Sedai. Yeah. yeah. The, like, it feel and not only then like all the world and the building and the places and the the uh, monster area that they went through like it feels like there's just so much that I'm I don't know about um, sure and and it leaves me confused because it it goes by so quickly um, so that, it, that I guess that's my way of saying they they did the opposite of Dune is that they're focusing on the story and not on as as much on the world building uh, where Dune went the other way. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I don't know if we said that we talked about Wheel of Time for about an hour last week, mm-hmm. but um, it's a hard thing for me to judge because, you know, I already, I forget the metaphor that uh, Cogswell used in chat, but it's like, I already know, right? Yeah. So I can't, it's hard for me to say, like, have they explained this? Do you know? And then also try to remember, you know, 15 some years ago when I when I listened to the first book on, on audiobook, like at what point was I clear on, on X, Y, or, or Z in the world building? Like there is a lot of kind of mystery, you know, sort of it's similar. And the, the production, the writing, the publication is similar to star Wars in the sense that the first book was written in a way where it could have been the only book. Yeah. Um, and then once it succeeded and you got subsequent books, like it got more, it got more explainy. It got more expository. Like, um, 
with all of those with all those subtle details with more character development um um and all of those kind of things right um i i let's let's move on to another subject here but it it it, uh follows through with that um with the wheel of time stuff and exposition and world building and character building time uh we're you and i are both watching a a series called for for all mankind right now Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and i know you're much further than i am i'm still going through season one um but that is a show and we i guess we can talk about that we can do non-spoilers first um Okay. It's a show that they spend a lot of like whole episodes, and I'm about six six in right now. Um, dealing with just people, I guess. But I don't yeah. know if that's mm-hmm. they're not just dealing with just people. And maybe it's because they got a huge cast, and it, I, you know, I notice it. But um, they really do. They do, and it feels like like halfway through the uh, the show, I'm like, nothing's really going on here. But I'm 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 on board with who they're developing here or the couple people that they're developing and what's going on. And I start to lose track that they're actually not progressing any kind of story. And then, and then at the end they do progress the story or maybe at the very beginning, they like right. progress the story greatly. Um, so, yeah. so I have that show that show seems to have a, it's definitely moving at a clip, but every episode still is at a slow pace. And I'm not saying that as a negative. It's just, it seems to take its time with people that's a was it rick berman is that his name beerman uh thing where he spends time with people a lot or is that his name the sure battlestar guy um rick berman maybe i think he worked on uh deep space nine but uh for this show um who am i thinking well, of that? I'm, complete, I'm completely blanking uh david no he did. Oh, he he worked for he worked for Star Trek as well too. Yeah. Uh, it's going to drive me crazy now. This, this <laughs> is great. This is great podcast material. Right. While I look stuff up. <laughs> uh, Ronald D. Moore. Ronald Moore. That's that's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's very Ronald Moore. Like where where he yeah. he's definitely doing things. There's they're never not going in a direction, but every episode is very character driven right yeah yeah he worked on star trek and uh producer on on battlestar and yeah um, that's that's definitely how i would yeah. describe his movies or his shows is is he he never fails to continue to move the story along but he also every episode is not about moving that story along even though it does is that a weird right, thing to say right. yeah it's it's not so much um it's almost, it's almost like what did, um, I don't know if this is a Stan Lee thing or, or, or a Kevin Feige thing, but the idea of character first, story second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is a thing that I've heard, uh, used to describe the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. um, which I think is why, uh, you know, we know the characters in the MCU fairly well but when you try to at least for me having seen most of the movies only once or sort of twice some of them watching them with with mom rewatching, mm-hmm. um i go yeah well i have a pretty good idea who star lord is or i have a pretty good idea who ant-man is um scott lang 
But then I try to go, what happened in Ant-Man and Wasp? I'm like, well, he did some stuff with Hope and because she's the Wasp and they go into the quantum realm and like, that's it. Like, I don't remember <laughs> any of the rest of the story um, because they're more focused on characters. Right. Um, and that seems to be true of this show as well. Like, they're... There are so many things going on, right? It's this alternate history. And there's there's this big story of, like, here's what's different. And they change this and they change this. But the, like, moment-to-moment beats of an episode are all about people. Yeah, um, for sure. I was talking to our buddy Zahn, who has seen, I think he's probably seen all of it now. Um, because I just got into season two. And I really... I don't want to say really dislike. That's too strong of a of a way to say this. But um, there's the the main uh, I'm going to say main wife character. Uh, this is a show that starts in wait, 1970s. Wait, we so. should we should do spoiler bill if you're going to say names because there are possible deaths that may or may not happen. Oh, I guess I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, I don't have to get into the details of that. But there's a character who I I don't really care for like i don't i don't dislike i already said wife so i'm gonna say i don't dislike her yeah i just like the things that she does early on in her character development are uh unsympathetic or to be more direct are are rude and kind of oh yeah yeah mean 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 girlish 100 percent. and so uh later when some kind of you know she kind of you know softens a little bit and some kind of unfortunate things happen to her i'm like i just don't care like can we go back to the nasa stuff like this is not i don't care about this yeah and and that's me like they're character stories so it's inevitable that 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 can be a problem um, with character stories like when if you don't like the characters or a certain percentage of the characters it can make the show not great right Right, like, right. It, it sounds like, thankfully, there's only like one character that's like that for you. But I can see how someone could watch a show and say, "I just don't like anyone on that on the Battlestar show." Like they don't. I think they're all terrible. And then not, not yeah, watch it, right? You know, it's a little like for all mankind has been compared to Mad Men. I think because it starts in a in a similar era. Yeah, it's you know about ten years further ahead than where Mad Men starts. Right. Um. But I, I use this anecdote a lot. I had two separate conversations, one with one of my sisters and one with um, a buddy of mine's wife. And, you know, they had watched just, you know, the first little bit or first season or whatever of Mad Men. And I was watching it. You know, I watched all of it until the end. And they were like, "Is do you get to a point where Don Draper is better? <laughs> and I'm like... I don't, I don't understand that question. Like Don Draper is awesome. What are you, what, what are you saying? Like, right. And it's, and it's that same kind of thing. Like Mad Men, just like this, even though it's, it's just historical fiction. It's not, it's not alt history or anything. Um, you know, it's, it's this period drama and it's not, there are no like big, I mean, there are big events happening, but it's not, you know, it's not a show about the Kennedy assassination. 
it's a show about a bunch of characters and then it shows what they do and what happens to them and how they react when the Kennedy assassination happens. And that's just one episode in a like, I don't know, six or seven season show. Um, and, but you have this character who is a certain way. And if you, as a viewer, can't get past something that, that bothers you or annoys you or bores you about that character, it can be really hard to, um, to break out of that. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I know, I know, I definitely know that there are characters in shows that I can't stand. And every time they come on, it almost ruins the, ruins the show for me. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of one offhand, but I know that there definitely are. Um, and, and that, you know, I could see this, I don't know if that person is, would be that for you, but I, so far in this movie, one thing we didn't do, we, we, Dennis, you and I always get so backwards with this stuff. We, we should have like, at least for those that didn't know what we're even talking about, we should say the premise of the show for all mankind is a historical fiction show that, uh, it, it basically posits, uh, what if the space race never ended? Like if, and it starts off with Russia making it to the moon first. Um, that's a better way to say it. Like I've described this show as what if the Russians landed on the moon first, mm-hmm. which, which is the initial, like in the opening sequences of the pilot, like that is what happened. But the real like big picture question is what if the space race never ended? Yeah. Be- because, because of that, so many things are triggered and continues to trigger that, that we kind of all know about, you know, NASA always, we also have this thing like, oh, reason we had NASA in the space race, what has it done for us? Well, it creates the computer and it creates all these extra things. Well, it hasn't had that kind of like one of those, what have you done for us lately? It's not done any of that since the the six, late 60s, early 70s. Um, yeah, it's just this like grandiose kind of like, oh, space is the future. So we've got to go up there and and figure out and learn, which even though all of that is true, it is you know politically speaking like a a massive expense especially Mm -hmm. back in the in the apollo era like our government was spending so much money and it's probably not that much compared to like getting involved in vietnam or something you know military spending but it's like this thing and and from a certain perspective you look at it from the perspective of the space race and you're like yeah, it was just this like uh how do I say this politely? This like ego measuring contest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh between the US and the Soviet Union and the like who's going to do what first and so we're we're doing this thing and it you know a lot of it really uh progressed to the technology of ICBMs which you yeah. know is just nuclear uh uh proliferation. Mhm. But, yeah, it was it was this thing. And so, you know, what if instead of that process, you know, sort of driving the Soviet Union to, to economic collapse, it instead, like, kept going and, and drove both countries to, to keep pushing, to, to keep striving, to keep advancing the technology faster and faster. Um, you know, I think one of the first examples, which is not... All of this stuff is is handled kind of subtly, um, and maybe that's maybe that's a little bit of the of the BSG kind of thing where like 
you know, there are there are technologies in Battlestar Galactica, like the Cylons have the ability to download their consciousness into a new body and just be, you know, reborn uh, or something, yeah. reborn or whatever. Um, and it's it's not really explained, right? Because it's not like how it works is not important, right? Um, and there's a lot of that, like, uh, they do that here. They do think. they do that like. How did the Russians I have an, get this? I have an example, version? but it's but it's kind of a spoiler. So I'll I'll say that there's a point where they basically have VHS technology, videotape technology, and it's still it's like 1973 or mm-hmm. four. Yeah. Um, which I think we were maybe in the early stages of, but it's at least like five or six years early. Um, compared to actual history yeah and you're like okay well if what based on what else is going on in the show in the story it makes sense that they would want that technology but that's not a that's not really addressed what is in the story is the like the fact that the astronauts only have one tape and so they have these one it's like we talk about being kids and having two or three movies on one tape that you watch over and over right it's exactly like that, except it's happening in the early '70s instead of the early '80s, right? But they they they, um, they, and it's, they don't and explain it's, and it's character focus. Yeah, they don't they don't explain. Focus. You're right; they don't explain a lot of it sometimes because that's what they do. Is they I always I, I'm kind of saying they drop the bombshell. They'll they'll, they'll do things in and I don't think there's a spoiler because it's early on in the series. Is like they they'll say like equal rights, for example, for for women's rights. Um, sure, it, the, it, the ERA. Yeah, it just. It happens sooner, right? And they don't say what necessarily caused it to happen sooner, except they're like, all of a sudden, the Russians have, some mild spoiler here, uh, Russians have a woman on the moon, right? right. And they, they, at the end of the episode, she lifts up her, her visor, and it's a woman. This might have been like mm. even episode two or something. And Yeah, it's pretty early. Yeah, and then now it's not like, how did she get there? What caused this? What's the thing that led up to this? Why did it speed? It's just like, okay, this is the change that happened in this timeline. Now, how are the the characters that we're following and are coming to grow and care about and learn about, how how is that affecting their world? Right? Right. And granted, a lot of these people are in, I guess NASA is kind of a tangent to the world things. Yes, they are. The space race is driving the thing. But we never... While Nixon is there, at least so far, I have no, yeah, Nixon's not seen. You hear like videotapes or, you know, uh, phone call recordings, but there's, you know, it's not yeah, like they, there's, they're seeing Nixon in the White House and he's a character in the they show. They continue to do that. It's an interesting creative choice where instead of casting, um, I'm on the second season, so there, there's several, they've gone through several presidents now, um, Instead of casting, and I don't know if, I don't know why they did this, if it's because, you know, the presidents are so much more recognizable, like, not too many people are going to know, uh, you know, off the top of their head, what uh, Werner von Braun looked like, sure. or even, even well-known figures like Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Um, most people know Nixon and Reagan and, like, the president. People know who the president, what the president looked like, at least back to a certain point, and especially high profile ones like Nixon. Um, 
But some shows will just just cast him and just do it. Like, yeah, very often, like that's usually how it works. Like, you get, uh, you know, Sam Rockwell to play George W. Bush or whatever. Um, but instead of doing that, they presumably have some, you know, like recordings of of the president's talking and then maybe some of it is i don't know if it's computer generated or if they have an impressionist kind of doing the voice because that's easier yeah probably than finding somebody who looks like i'm finding somebody who can do a spot-on impersonation is probably not that hard um and then they play that over like archival footage and photographs of actual historic richard nixon yeah. And so they'll show like a montage, almost like a Ken Burns style of like show photos of him and then you hear him talking. Um, it's an interesting creative choice. Yeah. And, and but you don't. The, the big thing there is that those are major players in the world and we don't follow them. Like we, we get no. updates from right. from from the big players in the world. But we, we we get what we're doing is the show is about following the other people that we know, the, like the, the B or C list people. Right on the world yeah, stage. Yeah, we see, we see. You know, as you as you mentioned already, the the thing with the with the female mm-hmm. Russian um, astronaut. Like, we see her, but we don't know anything about her. We don't talk to her. She's not introduced as a character. But because that happens, because the world sees Russia put a female cosmonaut on the moon, now President Nixon wants nasa to have female astronauts Mm -hmm. and that is the big like that's like the the unseen force driving what all of the characters at nasa that we know and some new ones we get introduced to like the things that they do and how their lives are affected by this pressure from the president yeah they don't we don't see the president like he doesn't come on screen and talk to people. He has representatives who speak for him. And you're like, oh, OK, so this like we're driving we're driving uh, the Equal Rights Amendment. Not through any kind of like humanitarian or or human rights or or um, what's the word I'm looking for, like social motivation social there's another word i'm looking for there uh social something um but it's become part of the space race and it's kind of a clever um way that i mean similar to how in battlestar galactica they would use events happening in this context of like humanity on the run like use that to address and 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 tackle some you know more relevant real world politics or socio-political issues yeah yeah and and it's they're it's, doing the same thing here it's like it's like oh what else what else would happen well hey what if what if russians put a woman on the moon first that'll push and then we'll we'll push like gender equality early because nasa wants to have a, you know the president and by extension nasa wants to have female astronauts and then once there are female astronauts the whole world goes well, if women can be astronauts, what the hell are we doing with with this gender equality stuff? Right. Yeah, it, it, that, that's the that's the bombshells I was talking about. Earlier. Like the, the the end of the show, they'll drop these world changing, like literally world changing, 
thing twists on you, and then oh, in the in the structure of the episode, yeah, yeah they'll that's they'll, a good, they'll drop the, the bomb on you, too. and then the show isn't about. I mean, the next episode isn't necessarily about how it got that way or, or or our next steps. It's all about how is everybody dealing with that. I mean, there's a little bit set up right. at the beginning. It's like okay, now we're for in that example, like okay, we're going to send women in space. Now that the episode is just about talking about that it's all it all, so far in my six episodes it feels very reactionary like we're all reactionary trying to do stuff and, and we're trying to react to the things that are happening in the world and catch up and the world seems a much um well like it probably was during the space race thing in the 60s um that that you you have to drive you have to go you have to push i even think i really liked in the first uh episode or two they push hard that they were test pilots, that this whole program of NASA is built on risk and that everyone can die. And the fact that we didn't have people die, you know, like Apollo 15 or 13 had close near death. And that was the, you know, the whole world was on bated breath and and we didn't. And not until the challenge or the um, yeah, the challenger explosion uh, mm-hmm. did, did we have like true kind of stuff. It was um, we were very fortunate. Right. And in that kind of right. kind of a thing. But that's not what it was. It was founded on. It was in the 60s. It was founded on this taking high, high risks with stuff. And we stopped doing that. So uh, not only does this show follow what if the space race was um, still continuing, it also is 100 uh, percent at the heart of it uh, is supporting the idea that uh, was it. Uh, what's the mother of all invention? The um, competition. Necessity. What? Oh, well, I've heard it both ways. Necessity. Necessity is the mother of invention. Yes. And then competition drives. But it, it drives yeah, invention. Yeah, in, right. in this context, competition also sort of works the the same way because World War II ended and you had these two superpowers, like, meet in the middle, taking out Hitler. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, what do we do now? And, of course, you don't. They, we... I mean, Russia or the Soviet Union occupied their half of Europe and Berlin and all that. And then we had to go and, and fight Japan. But after all that was over, then it was like, okay, well, the Soviet Union has the Red Army, has this big army, but the United States has nukes. And then it's like, well, who's going who's gonna to do what? Like, in the history of of human civilization... We had never done this, like nobody had ever done this, like invade and then give the land back. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, there may be a version of that happened in World War One. I'm not a historian, but um, like from ancient Greece and before, if you if you invaded somewhere, that was yours now. Right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. You, you, you took it over. And you only lost it when they rose up and kicked you out, like fought back hmm. um, kind of thing. But but we were in this place where, um, you know, both sides felt like they could be wiped out by the other. Right. We're like, if we don't hold the the tide, the, the red tide or whatever mm-hmm. of 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 communism back, it's going to it's going to wash over the whole world like it turned out to not be true in either case, really, for us or the Soviets. But that's what everybody believed at the time. And so, like, it is it is sort of like necessity. It's like if we don't win this competition, 
we we could lose we could lose everything yeah right the, yeah the, the quote unquote i mean maybe dramatic but that's how people looked at it at the time yeah for sure um and but but yeah going back to uh for all mankind the big like jumps in in technology in story etc are very often played in these sort of montages at the end of the episode which is weird it's almost like an anti-cliffhanger but not really because once that happens you're like oh okay so they did this and this and this what does that mean for the next episode and it's just all it's all characters um and so the yeah even though the the events are crucial to the to the show to the story um they don't spend a lot of a lot of time on them it's much more it's it's interesting right like when when justin got me uh wanting to watch this one or you know he he was pushing for me to do it i Mm -hmm. uh you know didn't understand that what i thought it was really going to be about that like the 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 mechanisms and the the drive and things like that and it it really isn't it's it really is a we we said like 700 times already the the character bit of it so if you're watching gonna watch for all mankind you know be in it for the character interactions and the people that are in there and and that takes that takes good actors right i mean again i'm only six episodes in and i like the the ones that they pick so far so i don't have anything bad to say about them um but Man, if you have a show, castings for like this, you got to have casting's got to be the biggest thing, right? It's got to be super most important stage of the whole thing. Because if you don't like yeah. the the actors, then you're you're gonna hate the show, um, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I I, I am enjoying the show. It is it is one that I I, I definitely want to go back to all the time when I have extra time. I want to sit down and watch it, and it is one that I don't want to just be playing on my iPad while I'm doing it. I kind of want to watch it. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 maybe that is because it's such a big cast, and I don't know how I'm gonna like the big cast. It feels unwieldy at times because I don't know, you know, what to be paying attention to a lot of times. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, I, I'm sure that's just I'm I'm excited that according to you and other people I've heard that the show keeps up a pace um, of always driving forward. Um, so I'm sure that will keep me, you know, driving. And I and I and I, and I like it so far, so I'm gonna keep keep liking it. Wow, that was a lot for all mankind. Uh, one more pivot before we go to our, our show. I, I did want to mention that I did get to go see an actual new movie last week. I took the girls to go see the Disney show, since we talked about Disney earlier, called it Encanto. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't want to talk too much about this. I just want to just give out the thing saying it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. It's super cute. It's got a, like Disney stuff, has uh, has a message, you know, but but doesn't beat you over the head with it. You know, kind of a, a moral of the story type thing. Um, and it makes you feel good like Disney movies do like Disney of, of this age group, you know? Um, and, and my only th- review of it is if you like Disney movies, you will like this movie. Right. Nice. Uh, because all, all of, you know, you watch, um, little mermaid. It's got, it's got a moral, right? You, you watch Lion King. It's got kind of a, a moral with an adventure. And this one does too with, you know, this one's basically, I would say this one talks, deals a lot with family and, and, you know, it, it takes place in yeah, Columbia yeah. and things like that. It's, I, I liked it a whole lot and, and I felt good when I walked, I, I, my favorite thing about Disney and these Disney things, and I'll keep supporting them is that I walked out of the theater and the girls, you know, I got a 10 year old and a 15 year old and they were happy 
and enjoyed it. And we're talking about all sorts of things. But I also, as a parent, as an adult with, you know, taking children to movie, felt good about them watching it, right? That they Mm -hmm. can watch people in a fun thing that they cared and liked about and enjoyed go through a little bit of a difficult, confusing thing that honestly could be relatable to lives maybe sometime in their future, right? And they can feel okay about that it'll be okay and that they can probably make it through. Right. And, um, that's kind of cool. And I really, really enjoyed that. And so I'm not giving, saying anything obviously about the the movie, but this like most Disney ones does that as well. And uh, I really enjoyed it. If you're a parent out there listening, you know, definitely take your kids. Um, fun, fun, fun time. That's, that's one of those, you know, kid movies you can go and watch. Unfortunately, Disney has these weird things that some of their movies are like blockbusters that everybody knows about. You get like a Lion King thing, right? Sure, sure. And Lion King was great. It's a wonderful movie. Uh, it's a classic, right? But there are a lot of other movies, Disney movies, that they put out that are just as good. Just as a good character, just a good story, but they just don't get the maybe right time, right moment, whatever, of media or something. Um, this one feels like that. Like it, it should be getting a lot more press, but it's just like, just not. Okay, that's all hmm. I really, that's all I have to say about that one. Um but yeah, you want to talk about we got we got so this this week we went off of our regular thing and decided to watch a Christmas movie, which we do every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, our buddy Pete and um, his girlfriend uh, screen a lot of what do you how do you describe these Christmas romance Christmas Hallmark shows uh, movies not not Hallmark capital H. But in the genre, Christmas rom-coms or, or maybe just Christmas movies in general, a new, yeah. newish. Uh, almost, almost, almost always romance driven, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the genre is mostly romance. So right. That tracks. And, and so, so, and he watches a lot of, they watch a lot of those and, and they gave us a, a nice recommendation for this year. So this year, our, our, our movie of the week so far is uh, one of these called a castle for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about that. All right. This is a Netflix movie. I said that and now I, I don't remember. I watched it like three days ago. Um, yeah, it's on Netflix. It is uh, rated TVG. Um, it's starring Carrie Elwes, who was Wesley in Princess Bride, and uh, Brooke Shields from, I don't know, Blue Lagoon and Suddenly Susan and other more recent projects. Suddenly Susan, um, that's one I had forgot about her from. Yeah. I've read that yeah. show. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, um, I'm drawing a blank here. Anyway, she is an author who has just killed off one of her beloved characters and the readers are, are all furious. Uh, the movie of course opens with her voiceover monologue saying, do you believe in love at first sight? Well, I don't. And you're like, okay, I bet she's going to fall in love at first sight. Um, (laughs) it's, 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 it's very by the numbers. Uh, yeah, she's she's yeah. so like overwhelmed with the backlash of this book that she decides to go to um, 
a place where her father worked as a young man in Scotland, a castle. And when she goes there, she meets Carrie Elwes, and he is Scottish, so he's speaking with a Scottish accent the whole movie. Um, and for the most part, everything you expect to happen happens. I did not give this movie my full attention after the first like half hour. I, you know, we we say that both of us say that occasionally. Uh, I don't know anyone who who would intently watch this 100% anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not, I'm, I want to be clear things that I may say in the following five minutes will probably not be the most, you know, wonderful things about it, but I don't hate this movie. I want to say like, I don't have anything against it because you, hmm. you know, 100% what it is when you, we got it. We knew what it was when we picked it and that's what this is, right? It's, it's exactly as you, the, the genre you described, it hits it exactly what it's supposed to be. And I think we might have even mentioned this before with these things. If you go into something and you expect it and you don't get that, it makes you angry. But if you go into a sure, thing and sure. you get what you expect, it makes you happy. Um, yeah. So that's exactly who this is for. That's exactly what this is for. And it filled its role. I will say, though, now that I'm past all that, I will say that, I man, it was not well directed, I guess it's the word it, because there's just like the camera would think there's what like, okay, Brooke, we need you to do a bow. And it just it felt like it was like so produced or, you know, the guy would, would they get too close? They're clearly too close to going to kiss right in one spot where they're going to kiss. Nobody ever stands three inches apart. Nose to nose. Like it is absurd. And then the camera is pulled back so much that they're, it's like they're one third of the screen in the middle and there's a whole bunch of space. So you clearly know that they're awkwardly too close. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm like, this is a, this is, this is the moment where they're too close, but they should kiss, but they don't kiss. And it's awkward, but they feel they have feelings for each other. And I'm like, Oh my God, is the, I guess the word is grown, grown worthy. Right. You're like, Oh, you know, why are, why are you doing this trope to me? Um, and Brooke Shields is just yeah. not that great of an actress. I don't think. Um, well, neither is the Wesley character where I keep on Wesley, but, um, <laughs> the, the, the main actor guy, his name is John, John. I only remember that because no, his name's not John. I'm thinking of a different movie. What movie am I thinking of? Or is this just a character in this movie? <laughs> Maybe him. It's the, it's Wesley from the princess bride. That, that actor is what, I, what I'm thinking about. Yeah. His, his character's name is Miles. Uh, I swear there was a John Dunbar in this movie because I saw it and I was like, that's, that's, uh, Kevin Costner's character in, um, <laughs> well, the, well, the castle's Dances name is Dun Dunbar. That must be, and his last name is Dunbar. Like, like maybe his father was John Dunbar or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah, anyway, perhaps. yeah, his, his name is Miles. And, and the, the, the plot is paper thin at best about mm -hmm. her going to this thing with her their parents and and and, and the, the the worst i think say that i will say the worst thing about this is that one who is this audience for P clearly people in their 50s or 60s a romance thing in their 50s mm -hmm. 60s that feels really like what kind of audience is that um and then uh because these people are older people they're not they're not even in their 30s they're almost 60 right um, yeah yeah brooke, brooke shields is is 55 56 and Carrie Elvis is uh, like fifty nine. I think. Let's see, math 
50, yeah, 58, 59. Yeah. So, and, and the worst part is that they, it feels like they're really trying to make them seem young. Like they should be in their thirties, right? Like obviously they have dyed hair and yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, the Sophie character, Brooke Shields' character has a young adult daughter that you almost never see. Like she's in a couple scenes on FaceTime or, you know, whatever in the, in the improbable, like very high def, high frame rate video chat that she's somehow getting in a, in a Scottish town of 132 people. (laughs) Right. Um, and, and having a 22 year old at 60 odds are more that she'd be a grandma and instead of a mom. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, she was focused on her writing career. Yeah, I I guess I, the the idea still (laughs) is that their grandma and grandpa age is what they are. I think you hit truly a show about grandma and grandpa having a romance is what it is. I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's not quite like a grumpy old man romantic. Uh, yeah, good call. Uh, good sub- callback. Yeah. Subplot, but it's but it's very much for a like 60 55 to 65 ish audience. You're sort of uh boy, I'm going to be real uh stereotyping here, but your typical Hallmark movie watching audience. Um this is it's it's that uh Hallmark holiday rom-com kind of feel with none of the tongue-in-cheek kind of snark that i felt like we get in the christmas prince movies mm. or the yeah. princess switch uh movies <laughs> which which are more like they lean into the tropes so hard that you're like this has got to be like they're they're joking around with this like they're doing it for fun where it's this was bit, like yeah. it was so like it was so earnest and sincere with like the knitting circle and the the big gay guy whose husband passed away who never mm-hmm. talks mm-hmm. and all of that stuff was just so and the yeah and every said, everybody like, seems to have a love interest somewhere there's some side plot with love interests and right right and but then at the same time like it's rated G so there's nothing even remotely Oh I get that yeah that makes sense like suggestive at at any point right Um, wow you don't see things that are rated g anymore that's something no no that's well done director producer writer actors (laughs) (laughs) to get a g's got to be difficult um yeah uh it's fine i i don't i don't want to i don't want to bag on it because it's not meant to be bagged on it's meant to be you know uh, a fun thing and you know i'm a day getting closer to a day away from this and I, I'm going to look back at it and say, yeah, that's that's exactly. I, I would turn to our buddy Pete and say, yeah, you you recommended exactly what we asked for. You know, th- this kind of movie at this kind of year, but it, I like that he recommended something that wasn't made of 23 year olds, right? Yeah, when I was when I was in the middle of watching it, I was sort of live tweeting to our to our group chat, and he said, he said, for the record. I said that movie had hot old people and Scottish accents. <laughs> Scottish accents. I, I did not say it was good. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you got me. That's you true. Me. Yeah, and 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 and, uh, and while I said I was glad that uh, they were not 22 year olds, it, it was still awkward for me that they're you know, almost 60 year olds um, in, in a romance thing. And I, again, I'm not not gonna. I'm, people who are listeners who are in their <laughs> 60s finding romance for the first time, awesome. 
just that's not what I mean. It just, you know, I, I don't know. Just it was it was it felt a little awkward and out, and out of place and things. But yeah, it was fine. It's good. Um, you know, uh, I don't think I'll recommend it to anybody. But unless they love those shows, then I would say like, yeah, let's let's bust this sure, one out. Sure. Uh, I yeah. uh yeah yeah uh, same. I don't like. I would maybe suggest this to my mom, but I think even my mom who watches you know all the all the hallmark she doesn't watch all of them because hallmark puts out like 30 new christmas rom-coms a year um but she watches movies in this genre i think even she would watch this and be like oh it's not very good like she would enjoy it definitely more than we did but uh yeah still still acknowledging it's it's uh shortcomings <laughs> okay so um, I, get, I get a pick next week right yeah, right. All right, so uh, I'm going to throw this a curve because it's not on the list. It's something that said, but um, it is it is still going to be Christmas time, uh, e- even for okay. when we record next time. Uh, and uh, I- I'm going to do a Christmas off-the-list Christmas movie. Uh, okay. And, well, sorry, not Christmas week, winter take place movie. And let's watch okay. Peanuts. Like, Peanuts. Yeah, it's the, the new Charlie Brown movie. New like ten years ago? Uh no. no, it has to have been like four years ago, two, three years ago. It's just it's just called Peanuts, I believe. Uh or it could be Charlie Brown. Uh you know. We should probably the Oh it's Peanuts the, the movie? Peanuts movie. That's it. Two thousand fifteen. Yeah. So six years ago. I'm I'm like sixty percent sure I saw this in the theater, but I will watch it again. Yeah, yeah. I mean I um I've seen it a couple of times and I know it's only six years old, and, but I've seen it a couple of times, but uh, I am always happy to watch it again because I remember, and it's been like three or two, three, two years since I've seen it. And um, I remember it being very heartwarming and it's Christmassy time. And I want, uh, and I want that. <laughs> I want that for, for this week. I want nothing that's going to be depressing or sad or, or uh, West side story, you know? Nice. Nice. So the penis movie. You, you'll appreciate this. I'm looking at this movie on IMDb. The uh, the actress playing the little red-haired girl mm-hmm. is um, Francesca Capaldi, who is an actual little red-haired girl. Oh, cute. That's awesome. So, I, I, even though I, this movie's animated, CGI, they didn't need to typecast. <laughs> <laughs> they they did anyway. I, I, I uh, my, my fiance is, is a shorter red-haired girl, and I always call her the little red-haired girl. Nice, because I'm the I'm the I'm the goofy nerdy uh, Charlie Brown. Actually, a lot of these voice actors bear bear some physical resemblance to the the characters they're playing, which is <laughs> that's great. Uh, maybe it was easy. It was easy to 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 get them to maybe maybe they did some motion capture on the faces or something. Even right. though the peanuts face design is completely not like human faces at all. That's awesome. So, so they're like a bunch of kids, like playing kid parts. That's so great. I yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, they look okay. So next good, next good week, watch the the Peanuts movie from 2015, and uh, all we'll, right, we'll give it a talk. Because I'm gonna, I'm also gonna watch um, the Peanuts Christmas, the Charlie Brown Christmas, because we we always watch that every year. Did you see? I don't think I talked about this because I think I watched it earlier in the week last week. Did you see the movie Last Christmas with? Um, Amelia Clark. Don't think so. Uh, you know, Daenerys from yeah, yeah, yeah. from Game of Thrones. 
I watched that last week. It was it was cute and it was um kind of unusual in the genre. So I don't know if you have time and want to and want to squeeze in another uh holiday movie. We could I do like Amelia Amelia Clark. So maybe you have to watch that one. Yeah, yeah. I do too and that I've I've watched a couple, not a lot, like two or three holiday movies that I'm like this movie isn't very good, but I like this leading actress she's cute and mm-hmm. uh, you know I'll you know that that, so, that sounds like a it's it's funny it's not a b-list actress that's doing b-list movies i mean it's like an a-list actress doing a christmasy movie thing mm-hmm. yeah cool mm-hmm. the last christmas well, it's just, just called it. last christmas it's or like last the christmas. like the george michael song oh i see or we'll, we'll, we'll uh I said to me, I got to fit that in while in Disney somehow. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, well if that. if if you don't, that's fine. I just mentioned it offhand. All right, cool. Because we we're talking about Christmas movies. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode two hundred and twenty-five. Special thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you want to reach out to us uh, and let us know your favorite new Christmas movie whatever that we should watch and discuss you can reach us via email that address is frontporchpod at gmail.com or go to our website frontporchpodcast.com and use the contact forms there to reach out if you enjoy the show please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice and while you're there if you leave us a positive review we always appreciate that as always thanks so much for joining us and until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch night everybody see you next time Thank you.